folks. I'm Dr. C and welcome to my office hours. Ha, it worked. So <laughs> we're going to keep that in. Um, so uh, I'm excited today because I have a really special guest uh, for y'all who is a uh, comic scholar along with myself. And actually, I'm going to let him introduce himself, uh, Mr. If I may brag on you for a second, Mr. PhD candidate Anthony Ramirez. Thanks so much, Gabe. I appreciate you, man. Um, one, it's great to see you again, man. Um, yeah. We, we, you were you were a guest on my podcast, and we we've stayed in touch throughout this time, and it's been amazing just to um, not only call you a colleague but a friend, dude. So I'm I'm very yeah. grateful for that, and I love your TikTok videos, by the way. So shout out to to Dr. Gabriel Cruz right here for his amazing work with with um, his TikTok st- uh, stuff that he's doing. So um, I'm bragging about you now, man. I'm bragging about you. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. My name's Anthony Ramirez. I'm a communication PhD candidate. That's weird to say now um it just recently happened this summer i'm a phd candidate uh from texas a&m university and um i study in the communication department i study comic books i study popular culture and um i'm a border kid from el paso too and um all this is important and relevant because it's what i do with my research i um intersect all my favorite things and get to read and write about them and that's what's so fun about this uh, work that I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's a, a large part of why I wanted to have you on today. And actually, just a little bit of context for the folks at home. Um, so we actually have, for the first time, uh, three types of Mexicans in the uh, in the podcast, which is to say, uh, I'm Chicano in the uh, in the uh, New South, uh, in North Carolina. Uh, Anthony, obviously, as you said, is from uh, El Paso, and you're Mexican American. And then we got one of the new Mexicans, uh, Barry. <laughs> in the uh, office <laughs> who is from New Mexico. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you, uh, you know, you know, come in all forms. Um, I was wondering how we were going to tie me into this. I was like, what? Is there someone else in this room? <laughs> well, what part no. of New Mexico is Barry from? I'm from Albuquerque. Dude, no way. Cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah dude. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, just a couple hours away from where I live. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I had a truck route when I was working at an animal, animal crematorium uh, down to El Paso. So, yeah. Very familiar. Awesome. That's dope. <laughs> this is this is great. I'm I'm having so much fun already. <laughs> so uh yeah, so all that, um, all, just a little bit of context today, we are talking about Latinidad, Latin identity, and pop culture, broadly speaking. And mm-hmm. then in episode two, we're going to talk about uh, Latinidad uh, within comic books in particular. So just to sort of set this up a little bit, um, just you know, again, for the folks at home, you and I met at NCA a few years ago, uh, just sort of by chance, we were at the uh, La Raza Caucus. Um, which is the uh, Latinx interest group uh, at the National Communication Association um, National Conference. And I walked up to you because you mentioned talking about comics, right? You were had discussed, you know, other things that we should talk about within our caucus. Like, well, what about pop culture? What about comics in particular? Because, you know, we're, we've, we're all over this stuff, often in, in the, often in the independent labels. But all the same, um, it's very much relevant to, you know, what we do. I was like, that guy, I need to talk to him. Um, and so... Talk a little bit about how you landed where you did as a researcher. Okay, so uh, I'm going to try to do this ab- like an abbreviated version of it because there's it's a very long-winded story. But initially as a kid, I wanted to be an animator. That was my dream in life. I wanted to work at Pixar. And um, 
and as a kid, my mom would buy me comic books because I used to watch Batman the animated series, Spider Man, and instead the Saturday morning cartoons. And so, um, what ended up happening is that I've gotten as I got older, I started to realize I'm like, man, this stuff's cool. Like, I love it. And so, I, I at UTEP, the University of Texas at El Paso, I went and studied drawing and graphic design because again, I wanted to be an animator. Unfortunately, that didn't work out. I and and um, you know, my life took a different path, and I ended up going for a master's degree at UTEP, and. Uh, and I studied communication thinking, oh, I can do movies and editing and all this other stuff. And, and, and so I was thinking, I can still do this animation thing. And so I met up with Dr. Stacy Sauer, who, again, is part of the La Raza Caucus, too, and is one of my mentors. Um, and so she she was the chair at the time at UTEP. And she told me, it's a lot of reading and writing. It's nothing what you think it is. And I'm all like, okay, cool. And she's like, if you like it, cool. If you don't, then you can always drop out it's okay or leave it's okay it's no problem we're not gonna be offended by it i'm like okay so i ended up um enjoying it because dr sowers told me you can study whatever you want and that's when i was like i'm gonna study comic books then so i studied comic books i focused on fandom at that time so i did a lot of work with parasocial theory and uh parasocial parasocial relationships parasocial interactions which means like the amount of attachment you have with that specific um um media or entity or whatever it is or in this particular case comic book characters like how big of a fan are you and so that's what i was uh analyzing at my time during my master's program and um another person that i want to also mention and i I mentioned this person as much as i can too um i don't know if you know him or not dr roberto Vamir. i don't think i know him yeah, he's he's a part of the the La, La Raza Caucus too, and he's my thesis advisor and mentor and friend, and he's just an amazing person. That anytime I can give him a shout out, I do. Um, and without him, I wouldn't be here studying at Texas A and M because he was the one person that believed in me way before I even ever believed in myself. And he told me that I should pursue a PhD, and he's like, "Dude, you should study." like latinos in comic books you know that was before the term latinx was a thing so um and so he's like you need to study like latino characters in comic books for a phd i'm like damn that's a good idea let's do it you know and so that's that's kind of how i started to get into um the the type of research that i've done Mm -hmm. and then now what i'm doing is i'm focusing on Latino representation or Latinx representation, Latine representation um, of comic book characters in the U.S.-Mexico border. So now that's my going to be my dissertation topic, and that's what I'm going to be studying, reading about, writing about. And hopefully I want to, in the long run, I either like to make a documentary or a book in, the, in a graphic novel form mm-hmm. um, of my dissertation. So um, mm-hmm. that, that that's the goal in the long term. So. That's initially what my research um, focuses on and kind of revolves mm-hmm. around. Yeah, and that, you know, that is a big pool to swim in, so to speak, the <laughs> idea of uh, Latinidad within, you know, comic books. I mean, people might think of that as being kind of niche, but actually it's it's wild. And we'll get more of that into, into a part two of our discussion in the comics in particular, because I feel like that deserves its own conversation. But the other thing is, to your point, uh, going back to your, uh, uh, the gentleman who encouraged you to go into uh, 
a PhD in pursuing comics, I had a, a similar interaction. And I don't know if this was the case for you, but uh, throughout my educational history, I didn't have any uh, Latino professors until I got to my PhD. Now, I grew up in North Carolina, um, uh, was educated in North Carolina, uh, and I love my departments that, that you know helped me get through and all the faculty and stuff, but the fact of the matter was there was no one there who shared an identity with me until I got to Bowling Green, Ohio, and um, Dr. Alberto Gonzalez, whom I did not know was who he was in terms of the field of intercultural communication. If you're not familiar, Google his name, you'll see his his name pop up all over the place. Um, but you know, he's like, no, this is cool. I don't know much about it, but I can help you find people who do, so let's figure it out. And that kind of attitude is so important, particularly for, uh, and I don't know about yourself, but for me as a first generation, first generation college student who had no point of reference for any of this stuff or that comics were a thing you could study was you know, monumentally uh, important. So yeah. Yeah. Um... Well, I'll, uh, El Paso, yeah, El, El Paso is different, man, because we're the we're the majority uh, in the city. You know, the Mexican mm-hmm. Mexican Americans or Mexicans in general, um, because we have people from 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 straight from Mexico that come here too, and so it's it's just a beautiful melting pot, dude. We're a beautiful melting pot, and then we get um, um, New Mexicans as well. So we got New Mexicans, we got <laughs> people from Mexico, and then the Texan Texan Mexicans. Now we're not 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 Tex-Mex, okay? We're yeah, you know, not, not to confuse that, you know what I mean? The Tejanos um, and whatnot. The Tejanos, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know, so we have the Tejanos here. So it's a like I said, it's a beautiful melting pot. It's it's, it's one yeah. that's constantly moving and 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 um, mingling with one another. It, it's it's beauty. It's beauty at its finest, mm-hmm. and that's what makes the border so interesting. But I digress. Let me let me get to the point that I'm trying to make. Um, so what's cool about it is that um, even in my bachelor's degree, when I was going for um, drawing and, and graphic design, I had some uh, professors who were or uh, Mexican Mexican American as well, and so I had a couple. But in my master's program, I'm trying to think, I had Dr. Barrera, who mm-hmm. is that dude is amazing. That dude's a walking encyclopedia, and I mean that like in a positive way. This dude's insanely brilliant and intelligent one of the smartest men i've ever met in my life it's like (laughs) that class was interesting because like he would speak about one thing and then branch off like um into like a multiverse of of of, uh tangents and it's just like dude oh my gosh um and then uh when i met dr von mir it was it was for his name is dr roberto von mir and so Mm -hmm. when i met him what I found so fascinating about him is that I took a class on film and a class of music with him. And so I like I when I asked him to be my uh, uh, thesis advisor, I asked him, um, hey, Dr. Amir, is it cool if I do my stuff on comic books, even though you really don't dive into comic books? Like, dude, it's popular culture. Like, let's see what mm-hmm. we can do. So he's he's been supportive since day one. Like he he's uh, a dude is amazing. Like. I have nothing but love for Dr. Vomir. <laughs> like whenever I see him, whenever I talk to him, like I always tell him like I always tell him like, Doc, you're dude, without you, like I don't know where I'd be. Yeah. And um so I mean he's he's I don't know how to describe it, but it's just he's he's amazing. So I got nothing but love for him. But but mm-hmm. one thing I do wanna add too is that when I when I started to feel kinda like how how you felt like um where where you're from, Gabe, I was like was when I transitioned to into A and M because mm-hmm. that's where the culture shock came into play. I was like, I didn't have a 
Latino professor until well, Doctor La Pastinas from Brazil. I think Brazil. I hope I'm getting that right. So Doctor La Pastina hears this, I'm like, oh my god, I'm getting it wrong. Um, but I know he does work on telenovelas. Uh-huh. Um, and then I had I have Doctor Juan Alonso, who's a part of my dissertation committee too, and and he's Mexican American. I had Doctor Lizette Ojeda as well for Latino psychology. Trying to think who else. I, I met plenty of um, Latino or Latinx uh, professors at AM, but I think I've had three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but okay. it's it's very, very different. Yeah. And and it's hard to understate the value of having professors who relate to you in that oh, way. Absolutely. And I want to circle back to something in that vein that also sort of relates to you wanting to be an animator as a kid, and that is the influence of pop culture in our lives. Because uh, I grew up consuming a lot of American television, Mm -hmm. uh, and there's not a lot of Latinos uh, represented in um, Mexican in in American TV, right? I mean, you get a few token uh, characters here and there. I grew up with Speedy Gonzalez and Slowpoke Rodriguez and things like that, right? Um, But even I think back to like Nickelodeon and stuff. Like at least if they were there, they weren't salient enough to really leave an impression. I don't know what your experience was growing up in a border area. I mean, I agree. You know, when when I was growing up, you know what? (laughs) It's it's crazy because when I was growing up, I remember like we would always talk about Dragon Ball Z. And in that, obviously, there aren't any Latinos or Mexicans or anything like that in in mm-hmm. that show. You know what I mean? But all the argument would always be like, "Do you watch Dragon Ball Z in English or in Spanish?" And mm-hmm. so that was the first test of like my Mexicanidad. You know what I mean? Like yeah. my Mexicanism. I'm like, okay, am I Mexican enough to watch it in Spanish, but not really understand it? Or watch sure. it in English and understand it and get what's going on. You know what I mean? Right. And so that's when it first came into play with this whole idea of like Mexicanidad, Mexicanness. You know what I mean? And I didn't realize that now until I didn't realize that as a kid. But now that I'm like reflecting, I'm like, oh, my God, that was like a, for my first test of it, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, I would watch like Batman the Animated Series. I would watch like a bunch of like Cartoon Network shows like johnny bravo dexter's laboratory mm-hmm. and i don't remember any characters being um like like latinos latinx you know or mexican and until there's this one cartoon and i was having this conversation with somebody about it the other day called um mucha lucha it was a yeah. saturday morning cartoon on kids yeah. wb about these kids who were studying to be luchadores Yes, I remember that show. And that was the first time that I remember, that I can remember off the top of my head, too, mm-hmm. that it included kids that looked like me, kind of spoke mm-hmm. like me, and everything. And I was just like, yo, this is cool. I like this cartoon, and I want more of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's the first time I remember seeing something like that. Yeah, yeah it- um, that show, now that you mentioned it, yeah, that was one of those like Saturday morning cartoons and I loved it and it, you know, I have no point of reference for luchadors outside of, <laughs> at that point in my life of mm-hmm. being like eight or nine or whatever it was, um, outside of that show, but just really liking the show and my parents got a kick out of the fact that I liked watching it. Um, but it occurred to me, uh, so Batman the Animated Series, you had Bane. Yeah. But that version of Bane, like most versions of Bane, there's <laughs> none of his Latinidad is connected to it, right? Because um, he is canonically from Central America. Mm-hmm. 
uh, son of a uh, Central American revolutionary mm-hmm. imprisoned and you know all that sort of stuff and he is modeled after a luchador for yeah. goodness sake the way he looks yeah. but like with um, the, I don't think they showed up in the animated show at least if it does I don't remember it and certainly not in the Tom Hardy version or the video game versions or anything else outside of the comic like his Latinidad is pretty well stripped away yeah for sure for sure in the Dark Knight Rises it's it's whitewashed it's absolutely yeah. whitewashed and I have oh, yeah. no idea what Tom Tom Hardy's doing with that voice um, that was a choice that was a choice it's not a good one but it was a choice <laughs> yeah it's, it's one that's often impersonated um, and I love it I love it um, I, I don't know like I'm trying to reflect on and remember in the anime I think that they tried to make like a mm-hmm. like an accent for the the animated series one if mm-hmm. I remember correctly because I remember the costume kind of did look like a yeah. luchador and I thought that was yeah. awesome um and i believe in the video games too that that it's trying to be more like the comics too like i know in arkham asylum mm-hmm. um or was it arkham city that he does kind of have like a kind of like a latinish voice um mm-hmm. and i don't know if like which where they're trying to go with it um mm-hmm. but yeah he, i think i believe that that he does but like in the film like in batman and robin he doesn't talk and yeah. he doesn't talk um, just growls yeah he just, yeah. he growls um uh, and then like we mentioned with tom hardy it's just like yeah. and so um he's a man who speaks six languages and three of them are dead languages and has this is a self-taught master chemist with a degree oh. from whatever and it's like we're gonna reduce him down to i'm gonna hit things like that yeah you know and that's yeah. sad because it's like we have a bat like can you use the word badass yeah okay we have a badass Latino character who is yeah. not only super strong, but madly intelligent. Yeah. And yet we reduce him to, to what we see on screen. To a henchman. And it's just, no, man, come on. It's like. Which is. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate. It's a common trope that we see with a lot of, uh, you know, Latinx characters because um, it just in all kinds of media. Like, so there was a study that was done uh, that looked at um, white college students who watched uh like crime procedural shows, like CSI, Law mm-hmm. and Order, that kind of thing, right? And um, while, yes, you do have sometimes leads of color, and once in a while, like CSI Miami, you might have like a secondary lead who's, you know, some sort of Latinx, that kind of thing. Um, for the most part, when we show up, it's in the background. We're the, either the victims or the villains. Um, even if we're not the villain of the episode, we are a villain in some capacity, mm-hmm. right? A criminal of some sort. And what the study found was that Looking at the responses of these uh, white college students who all consumed roughly the same amount of media, which was, I think, more than four hours a week or something of crime procedurals, um, they found that, and the, the study is called A Cultivation of Social Perceptions of Latinos and Mental Models Approach, and I think it came mm. out in like 2007, I want to say. It's one that I cite all the time. Mm-hmm. But basically they found that um, the people who did not have meaningful relationships with other Latinos uh, and were more likely to believe in those stereotypes as being true. But even among the people who did have meaningful relationships with you know, uh, Latin, uh, Latinos and, and Latinx folk, um, they were still likely just reduced. Mm-hmm. And basically the idea being that in the absence of actual evidence of what folks are like, the brain tends to rely on stereotypes. Basically, it's like if you have a sock drawer and you put a bunch of socks in, well, the, the socks may be torn up and dirty and not at all good for you, but that's what you have, so that's what you're pulling from, right, in the absence of anything else. And so that has very real implications for people like us, 
right, who have to then contend with those stereotypes, even if we're talking with people who like may have a point of reference, they're still, they might buy into some of those perceptions just because that's how, you know, the influence of media works. Um, Yeah, and you know what the unfortunate part about it is too, like, if you look at like Dana Mastro's work and uh, like mm -hmm. even Dr. Aldamas and Gonzalez and a bunch of other people mm -hmm. who've done work on on Latinos and and um, the perception like you're mentioning as well, they mentioned that that Latinos and and minorities of color, including uh, well specifically blacks and Latinos, that were mm -hmm. the ones that watch consume the most television. Mm -hmm. We go to the, we're the ones that go to the mm -hmm. movies most often, and yet we're the most underrepresented, you mm -hmm. know, especially like, like the Latinx community. We are so underrepresented, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. And it's like, we give all these studios our money, we, you know, through, through film or through watching and consuming all this media, but yet we're just underrepresented and we, and we are represented, like you mentioned, dude. We are represented as thugs. We are represented as cholos, yeah. drug dealers, and yeah. and political rhetoric doesn't help. You know what I mean? Nope. I'm just gonna I'm no, gonna throw doesn't. that in there because it's the truth. Yeah. And whenever and we're also depicted as immigrants as well, and or mm -hmm. migrants, and so um, you know, again, that doesn't help because um, it just yeah reinforces the stereotypes that people already believe. Or brujas, where I've noticed oh. that as a trend as well, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, uh, at the risk of sounding generalizing, uh, American media loves us as like uh, witches and magicians. Like, like, yeah, yeah. how how many times have you seen like some variation of Santa Marta show up in like a cartel related thing, right, on TV or something like that? You know, and what have you. Um, and and actually, just occurred to me. You said uh, 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 Dana Mastro. She is the lead author on that study that I was uh, referencing. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, glad to make that connection. Um, but no, you're right. It, it, it's uh, we do consume uh, a fair amount of TV. Perhaps it is inordinate um, for the rest of, uh, by comparison with other demographics. But yeah, we are among the the least, if not sometimes the least, uh, represented. And when we are, it's really frustrating. I show my students a uh, a trailer for a movie called, um, I think it's called Peppermint. It was a Jennifer Garner movie yes, from a few years yes, ago. Yes, yes, I remember Yeah, that. Mm -hmm. which was basically The Punisher, but instead of, uh, but it, with a female lead, mm -hmm. right, Jennifer Garner, she yeah. survives a, a cartel hit, that kind of thing, and it's all about the corrupt system and whatnot, and it's about her just murdering people back. And like the only representation, and it's this thing that, that is really frustrating, because they talk about this in the news as well. The only representation in that uh, in that film, at least in the trailer, of Latinos are as either the the criminals, right, the the cartelists that are you know smuggling drugs and whatnot, or the victims. Mm -hmm. So you're either a you're either the villain or you're a victim. There's no room for you know the heroes that kind of thing. Um, but also, and the way this connects to the news is that usually when we're represented in the news, it's either as the villains or the victims, mm -hmm. or we exist in a backdrop against how does this affect white people? Yeah. And which is sort of the premise of the, sh of the movie, right? Like most of the time, these groups that are doing these things, which do absolutely terrible, egregious things, are oppressing their own people, 
right? This happens in minority communities. This happens in, you know, minority neighborhoods, that kind of thing, for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is because they know that uh, folks from um, Mexican backgrounds, Latino backgrounds, especially if they're undocumented or have family who are undocumented, are much less likely to go to law enforcement or go to police for, again, a variety of reasons. And so they exploit that, at least in the United States. Obviously, that gets more complicated in other parts of the world. But yeah, they're not messing with, you know, suburban white folk, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, this conversation reminds me of a film that came out a couple of years ago that they tried to showcase, um, they tried to showcase a, the, what they considered to be the first Latino superhero. Is that El Chicano? El Chicano. You know where I I'm saw going. the trailer for it. Oh, man. So this film, uh, you know, I appreciate it. It's a love hate type of thing. Um, mm -hmm. And so here's the thing. So I'm going to use two, three examples because this is a paper that actually I've been working on too. Um, I'm using, here's three examples. One, we have Miles Morales. Okay. Mm -hmm. Second, we have El Diablo from Suicide Squad. And then third, we have El Chicano. All these characters are male characters that are Latino characters um, in, in superhero films. And so, um, one, uh, Miles Morales is praised because of how well this film was done. And it showcases an Afro-Latino. And it, it was just a really good film, too. That's, I love Into the Spider-Verse. It's a beautiful film. Then we have El Diablo from Suicide Squad, um, which I thought was my favorite character from that film. And that film, a lot of people like think it's trash. And well, honestly, it is a bad film. Um, but, I mean... He was the best character in the film. He had a good story arc. He had a redemption story. And, I mean, I just thought he was cool. But, there, you know, again, he's a gang member who went to jail, fully tattooed. He, mm -hmm. he, he has the orale, que, que on the homes, you know, that type yeah. of... Uh, of um, the yeah. faux SLA. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. it kind of reminds me of, like, um, one, of, one of my hometown um heroes too who, who was a wrestler eddie guerrero who mm -hmm. would come out like that too you know he went to my high school and i was i'm like super proud of that um yeah he lived yeah. in my neighborhood and i was like yeah my aunt's always like yeah what's the school eddie guerrero i'm like oh cool well anyways eddie had that too like in his persona he'd come out with a yeah. lowrider and everything like that mm -hmm. and then orale homes what's up what's happening you know kind of like the chich marine and east la thing you know oh yeah and yeah. um and so there's that and then we have el chicano which which is set in LA and we also have um you know again there's the cartel aspect of it there's the gang aspect of it right and then and the character you know they try to have they try to do so well it's like there was an effort put into this film to make it like the Latino standout superhero film they really tried and I appreciate that but it falls flat so hard it's just like oh my gosh sure uh, again, it's reinforcing so many stereotypes, right? Mm -hmm. um, let, let's showcase Latinos as drug dealers. Let's showcase them as gang members. Let's show them as this and this and this, right? And mm -hmm. and you know, I mean, it's unfortunate. It's just I, I don't know, like what else to say about that. But um, if you have a chance to watch yeah. it, I mean, it, yeah, I remember seeing the trailer for it and thinking, oh, I know this. This is a this is a swing. I don't know if it's a miss, but I know they're swinging from the hip with this. One. <sighs> 
yeah. What? You know, and and but you know, sometimes progress is a is a series of problematic steps forward. You know, so uh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. and and here's the thing too. Like it kept it kept saying like, oh, we're the first Latino superhero film. That's not true. Um, there was mm-hmm. a film prior to that with Wilmer Valderrama called El Muerto. Okay. And that's based on Javier Hernandez's book, uh, based on the same character, El Muerto. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it plays on the Day of the Dead trope, too. And it yeah. uses a lot of, like, the Aztec gods and all this other stuff. And it's really... And I hadn't had a chance to see the movie. But um, that's that's um, considered to be the first okay. Latino um, superhero film. I'll have to look that up because I'm not familiar, but that yeah. does sound interesting. Yeah. Um, the other thing is those sort of sticking in this idea of uh, of like the kind of representation when we do get it, what it mm-hmm. looks like is that it's always uh, so very different from what I'm used to because I grew up around rancheros, right? Like my old man is is you know from a campo. He he uh, and my uncles and my aunts and that you know and the the family members that I have and and, and the friends and whatnot are. They're from that rural life. They're they don't the that whole persona of like you're talking about like with the Eddie Guerrero and 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 El Diablo and whatnot is not at all reflective of what I've experienced. So then it's kind of hard to make sense of it. Like so if I'm if we use pop culture as a way of informing our identities, and I'm like I don't know this is this would be about as authentic as me trying to you know emulate from uh, you know one of the rappers from Detroit or Compton. Like it, yeah. it's cool. It's there's there's some neat stuff to it, and it speaks to a version mm-hmm. of this identity but it's not one that i have a cultural reference for yeah right? yeah and that's the thing with latinidad too is like like there's so many ways that we can look at it like language we can even like mm-hmm. go down and and go down and use gloria and Saldua as a reference Oh, yeah. Because Gloria Antaldúa in Borderlands and the new Mestiza even discusses about language, and she mentions like five to seven languages, I believe. I don't, I don't remember the exact number, but she mentions like, um, like I said, five to seven languages, and each of them, like I'm, lo- I'm like looking at, it, I'm like, wow, this is true, this is true, this is true. Like, there's all these different tongues and languages that we, and uh, not only in the border, but just like as as a Latino Latinx Latinx community use. And I was just like, wow, that is so true. And even so, for example, I like to like I had a couple of friends in A&M from different parts. I have some from California. I have some from um, different parts of the U.S. And and um, we all talk differently. And we like even though we all are a part of like Latinx and all and, and the community, we're all very different. Um, even a Mexican-American um, from LA is different from a Mexican American in uh, El Paso. Oh, yeah. We might have similarities in a lot of ways, but it's, there's so many things that are different too, including food, including language and, and lifestyles and all this other stuff. There's all, again, mm-hmm. there's a lot of similarities that connect us culturally, but in a lot of other different ways, we're also very, very different. And that's the interesting thing about Latinidad too, is that there's all these logistics that come into play too, because Latinidad isn't, you know, it's it's like an umbrella term. I like to think of it of like what yeah. is Latinoness, you know, what makes mm-hmm. what encompasses uh, and makes us Latino, right? And there's there's so many logistics and factors that make people Latino, Latina, et cetera, et cetera. And so, um, 
Yeah. It's a combination of things from, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the regions that we're mm-hmm. from, the indigenous backgrounds that influenced, exactly. you know, our, our family lines, um, the our relationship with colonialism and Spain, our relationships with the United States. Absolutely. Uh, as, as the line goes, and I'm sure you've heard it before, you know, the border didn't, cr- we didn't cross the border, the border crossed us, yeah. right? Um, or, you know, even little things like, how, and I used this actually in the class of mine uh, the other day, I said, you know, my parents met in part because of human trafficking. Um, <laughs> because my old man was shipped in literally from the border as a part of answering a labor shortage in this part of the country. So yeah, it's it's all kinds of stuff that influences um, you know where uh, how our identities are formed. And it reminds me, you know, I was, I was actually talking to him um, uh, recently about his experiences coming to the north and things like that. And uh, and he talked about how even in those uh, in the communities of you know Latin uh, Latin Mexican immigrant farm workers because that's where he came in the first time, mm-hmm. uh, was doing farm work. They also sort of separated themselves a little bit from other countries, from Latin America. So like he said, they didn't they didn't really associate with the folks from El Salvador uh, because they were crazy. And they were crazy because those were the generation of uh, workers who grew up as child soldiers during like the Salvadoran Civil War and things like that. And so they would, by his standards, uh, party way too much, get a little too wild, and it's because they were you know, dealing with some real trauma, right? And so even in those, that that umbrella term, like you say, of Latinidad, we still need to recognize that there are very real differences based off of the cultural backgrounds that we come from, the histories, the governments, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Um, It's so much so that I often fight with the idea of Latinidad, um, because like, okay, And Barry just gave me the, the sign. We've got two minutes left. We can't get into this right now. But just to put a, a bow on it, it's two continents, right? It's half of North America, a large part of North America, and then all of South America. And to what extent is an umbrella term even useful? I mean, it's like Hispanic. It's like yeah. Latino. It's like Ch- mm-hmm. Chicano. It's like we can go yeah. on and on about that, too. But um mm-hmm. It's it's just to you know categorize. It's to categorize, yeah. you know. Yeah, but it's that, it's, it's I, hard to categorize. It is, and I think it might have been Judith Butler. It might have been someone else who said something related to feminism in terms of there is power in naming a thing. Oh yeah. Well, we didn't we didn't come up with the term Latino. We didn't come up with Hispanic. Uh, we should probably name ourselves. But what that looks like, got no idea. Because even if we look at it in terms of like uh, Mexican American or you know Chicano or things like that, our own experiences, yours and mine, uh, who have some commonality but also a large part of divergence. To what extent are those names even translatable? To our own experiences. Um, anyway, that's about all the time we have for right now. <laughs> Stay tuned for part two. <laughs> Stay tuned for part two. Um, all right. So actually, because we do have to wrap up. Um, so uh, so uh, Anthony, thanks for uh, coming on the show. Obviously, we'll continue our conversation in part two. We'll talk about comics. Um, where can people find you if you want to be found? I, of course. Yeah. Um, so visit my website, www.arramirez.com. Um, through there you can hit up my social media um, information because I don't remember off of the top of my head um, I also have a podcast that is on hiatus at the moment called Academics and Amigos it's available on most podcast platforms um, if not visit www.academicsandamigos.com and you can check it out there um, and that's it for now alright Barry thornburgmedia.com that's, that's, about, that's about all I got Thank you, Barry. And of course, you can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at GA Cruz underscore PhD. 
and on TikTok at uh, Dr. C. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, see you next time. Thanks for dropping by the office.